Doncic wins the game at the buzzer. Here we go. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Gunshot, your NBA podcast that covers all teams regardless of market size. I am Grant Gunn and I'm joined with my sister Lauren and we are here to bring you the next part of our look around the NBA series. We are covering four teams today uh, and it looks like it's going to be the lottery edition. So, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Portland. Oops. Yep. So we're, we're going to be covering the uh, Detroit Pistons, the Portland Trailblazers, the San Antonio Spurs and the Indiana Pacers. So lots to talk about. Uh, obviously, all kind of different directions as far as the rebuild goes. Uh, some of their outlook may be a little better than others, and we'll we'll dive into all that today. Um, but Lauren, before we do that, I actually think we should talk about the piece of news that dropped since we've last recorded, and that was Donovan Mitchell. What we talked about last pod was that it was a done deal. It, he mm-hmm. was headed to the Knicks. Yes. Uh, and the surprise of, I guess, the offseason, the Cavs oh, come yeah. swooping in. And and Lauren, I've got to say, I'm a little upset that we didn't possibly see this coming. I honestly don't remember if we talked about the possibility, but it seemed to make sense that a Colin Sexton based swap would would at least be on the table uh, and ultimately happen as Donovan Mitchell uh, ends up in Cleveland. So, Lauren, let's talk about this from all angles. One, of course. Sorry, Knicks, big swing and miss, but but what does this look like for both Utah and Cleveland? Yeah, I mean, the thing was is that Cleveland was mentioned as by by a couple of people as a possible destination. The problem was that the Nick the reason it was never even really considered was because the Knicks, in terms of players and picks, had the better package to put and, and not just better, way better. And so it was just never really entertained that Utah would look at Cleveland's package or really anyone else's package and say, Oh yeah, I'll take that over a Knicks package. Um, But I think it's a really good example as to why. um, And, and I guess I should say the reports that Danny Ainge or the jazz didn't want to send him to the Knicks. So they sent him to Cleveland and took potentially a a worse (laughs) package for that. I don't want to say, Oh yeah, that's for sure. A fact that is true. Um, but I don't doubt that it had some part in, in, you know, the deciding to take that trade. Um, and the reality is, is those things happen all the time. The relationships matter within the NBA between front offices, between players and front offices. Um, and so to act or to, to, to take, or to try and look at trades or potential trades without taking those things into consideration is, you can't, you just can't do that because these things play parts in how these situations play out. And so um, it was just, you know, it was very interesting. And I got to say, I couldn't help but laugh. I think I immediately sent it to you and dad in our group message <laughs> and just put ha 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 in all caps. <laughs> I, I think I um, tweeted something along the lines of the Knicks are a poverty franchise. In, I, the, I in- just, oh my God. I'm like this cannot be happening (laughs) because it was just a single sentence from Woj that said the Cleveland Cavaliers are acquiring Donovan Mitchell and I'm like yes they are yes they are I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm so petty but it was just like this is why you love the NBA because these things happen like the Knicks it made so much sense everybody expected him to go there he wanted to go there the Knicks wanted him there and it just doesn't happen and so it I mean the entertainment value is just out of this world but um but I think for the Knicks, long-term, it is going to be better for them. 
Um, in the short term, I'm actually very concerned for the Knicks because it seems like some people want to play the young guys and develop them so they can reach their potential and other people don't want to do that at all and think that they're ready to compete for at the top of the East. Um, so I think they need to get on the same page there. And I don't know what the front office and ownership views as being step one in getting everyone on that same page. I don't, I, I don't know where they're at with that. So I'm a little concerned for them in that perspective. I, I personally do think the right thing is to, to prioritize the young guys and allowing them to try and reach their potential. Um, and for Cleveland, I mean, my God, I love it. I love it. I love what they're doing. I love the, I love their coach. I actually am a fan of the new jerseys. I know some people aren't, but I like them. <laughs> um, I think they're, I think they're fun. I think they're clean, they're crisp um, and they're simple. And so I like that bringing in Donovan Mitchell with Darius Garland, taking the step forward, Evan Mobley continuing to take the step forward and Jared Allen, like you're adding Donovan Mitchell to a team that already had two all-stars and that does not include Evan Mobley. Right. Like that's, that's outrageous. And so um, I love the move for Cleveland, especially considering as much as I'm a Lowry Markinen fan, it didn't really make a ton of sense for him in, in, I mean, I know he was, he had success there last year, but he's not necessarily a needle mover in that system, the way that they were using him. Um, and then you take Colin Sexton, who obviously very different pages that uh, both sides were on. And then you take a young guy and you turn it into something that moves you forward significantly. So I really liked Cleveland getting in on that and, and, and making it happen because sometimes you might not have the best package to offer, but it does come back to those variables. Sometimes you can be the team that gets the deal done. So um for any other team out there that is potentially hoping that they can get in on a deal, you might not have the best package, but that doesn't mean you're out of it. And I think that that is a big, big thing that you have to remember in this league. Yeah, it, it gave me Chris Tapps Porzingis trade vibes back when the Mavs acquired him. It, like like <laughs> yeah. you said, it just it came down to the relationships, the timing of everything. Uh, it doesn't necessarily always have to be the best package. And and I want to talk about this Donovan Mitchell package a little more. I, I do think... Obviously, at this point, it's been a week or so since the trade happened or maybe a little longer. But um, if you want to go hear about what this means for Cleveland, we've already touched on it a little bit. But I want to talk about the impact this has throughout the league. And, and obviously, the East, I, we've we've seen the tweets. There are roughly nine competitive teams competing for what will be eight playoff spots. And so the, the battle that the East is going to um, kind of uh, – happen throughout this season is, is going to be fascinating there's going to be plenty of big games hopefully injuries don't play a part of it but you know that it will uh cleveland was one of those teams last year who dealt with it but lauren i want to talk about uh th this this front office dynamics that happened throughout the league uh everyone I mean, you and i talked about the knicks the jazz the jazz had to be acquiring the the player to build around it didn't have to be necessarily their future because that they were probably going to tank uh, and draft the guy that might be their future but they needed to have a a nice complimentary piece mm -hmm. colin sexton seems to be a great piece lauren you and i talked about it maybe being emmanuel quickly mm -hmm. um and then all of a sudden it was reported that rj barrett was on the table yeah and every crazy. yeah everyone seemed to think well my gosh if that guy's on the table that go get him like that's the perfect guy to to kind of build for as your guard. Uh, I saw Knicks fans just absolutely stunned that he was even offered and other people that were like, Utah, what are you doing? Like pull the right. trigger now. So Lauren, right. I want to ask you, what are your thoughts about 
RJ being involved? Because from what we've seen after this trade, it seemed by all reports that that was true. Yeah, no, it does look like it was true. And it baffled me because I was at, at the very beginning of all of it. I had some people ask me, well, what about RJ? And I'm like, there's just no way with how they've been talking about him, using him. Like, there's just no way that they would make him available. And I was wrong. And so many other people were also wrong. And so that was crazy. But I think a big reason as to why it wasn't just a slam dunk, oh, yeah, you do it, is because there are a lot of people that are concerned about RJ. Like, can he be the piece that you build around potential grow into a number one option? Some people say, yeah, absolutely. And other people say, no way. So I think when you have such different kind of um extreme opinions on the potential um of a guy and if they even have the the mindset and the way that they carry themselves to be the number one on a team and I think there's just too many mixed reviews on RJ so I wasn't necessarily surprised that it was a well I don't know that I just want to immediately pull this trigger especially if the picks that you were get the number of picks that you would get in ret- or in addition to RJ were going to be significantly less um, but I do like, I don't necessarily think that Colin Lowry or Oche or are guys that are going to be the single person that you build around. But I think that they're all really, really interesting young players that have room to grow and have shown, um, an ability well, with the exception of Ogbaji since he just got drafted, but the other two have shown improvement to the areas that were their biggest, um, that, that they were most criticized for since getting in the league. So to get those guys in there for them to be very young um, and to also get picks, I think was a really solid move for, for Utah because now they have all these picks to work with and they could find themselves in a couple of years time to be drafting their number one, the guy that they build around, whether it be, you know, a Jabari Smith, a Zion, a Scotty Barnes, like they could find themselves in a situation, a jaw even like situations like that, where you have, a lot of interesting young talent, but you haven't quite figured out who that number one option is going to be. But luckily you have all of the picks to get that guy, whether it be via trade or whether it be um, when somebody comes available or whether it be um, drafting someone. And it looks like with the trends and the way the league is operating right now, the best way to try and fast um, jumpstart your, your rebuild is to build through the draft. Absolutely. So no better time to uh, talk about four teams trying to do that right now. We're going to talk about one who over the past two seasons has, by all appearances, seemed to have drafted well. Obviously, we're yet to see these teams, these players on the court yet, uh, but we're going to talk about the Detroit Pistons first. Uh, obviously, last year they they drafted number one overall, Cade Cunningham, uh, had another tough year, but as expected, didn't perform well and ended up drafting in the lottery where they picked up Jaden Ivey uh, along with um, Jalen Duran, which they acquired uh, through a three-team trade that happened on draft day. So they add a couple new younger pieces. They obviously acquired Marvin Bagley to, back at the trade deadline last year. Uh, they also, just to kind of round out their other notable offseason moves, they acquired Nerlens Noel, um, as well as Alec Burks and Kemba Walker in a trade that the Knicks, um, uh, shut your ears, Mouse fans, used to shed cap space and acquire Jalen Brunson. So, <laughs> But we're talking about Detroit. We're talking about Detroit. So um, uh, they, they do have these these bets. So, Lauren, let, let's talk about Detroit as a whole. Obviously, I, I, don't, I don't know that anyone's pointing to these guys as cracking into that Eastern Conference kind of play-in competitive mm-hmm. league this year. 
Yes. But they add what seems to be some more complimentary pieces, uh, a front court of, did I get that right? I always get front court, back court confused. Yes. Kate, Kate and Jaden. No, back court. Back court. See, I'm yeah. uh, swinging a miss. That's strike one for me. <laughs> in, uh, swinging in a miss. Podcast. Hey, uh, it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. But anyway, you, you pair those seemingly complimentary pieces together and the future looks bright. So Lauren, talk to me. What's your overall view of Detroit right now? Well, first, I got to say, we cannot forget about the needle moving addition of Kevin Knox to this roster. <laughs> they brought him in in free agency, the next KD, as they said, back in <laughs> whenever he got drafted. Um, anyway, um, I think that they are doing just fine in terms of how you want to do a rebuild. Obviously, getting a guy like Cade last year was a huge win uh, for the Pistons, and then to get uh the fourth it was the fourth pick i believe this year was it fourth or fifth i'm looking it, it up fifth. it was fifth it was fifth because because sacramento took keegan yeah at four and the big question was are they taking ivy are they taking keegan they took keegan and then detroit gets a player like Jaden ivy who going into the draft i think people were even debating that he could be top three just from a talent uh standpoint at that specific point in time so for detroit to get their hands on ivy at that five was absolutely wild. And so, and, and I am a big Jalen Dern fan. So when they were able to pull that off too, I was like, you've got to be kidding me because that came out of nowhere and they already had Isaiah Stewart. So it was a trade at the time and they have Sadiq Bay. So the, the, the trade at the time was just like, dang, like they didn't even need to do that. And they just, they did it. They did it. Um, so I really love the position that they find themselves in. They've got a lot of guys who are, um, young and intriguing and have room to grow but then they also have veteran players like a kelly olenic like a nerlens noel alec burks currently kemba walker um they've got guys that they can use on the trade market to go continue to 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 uh, accumulate assets and I, I anticipate them doing that because that's what troy weaver and I'm, it just seems like he looks that's what he looks to do and has been looking to do since he he uh entered the picture in Detroit and he's just I mean he this man is wheeling and dealing out there and so um I see no reason why when the trade deadline rolls around a team like you know the Lakers or 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 really any team that's looking to add um a defensive minded big another wing whatever the case may be like Detroit is absolutely a good option uh to go shopping at so um I really like what they're doing and the direction that they're headed in and if they can maximize on this upcoming draft um, you know, I think they'll be in a really, really great spot, but even with the guys that they have right now, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's unrealistic to wonder at the bare minimum to wonder if is Cade going to pop off this season and put them not even in the full on tank, trying to get the number one overall pick is Jaden Ivy going to be even better than some already wonder if he is. Um, so I just, I think Detroit is a very fascinating team to look at, but in terms of you know, how to, how to go about a rebuild. They're definitely a good example to follow, especially with the trading and the kind of wheeling and dealing that they, that they seem to keep doing. No, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you look at the roster, a lot of young guys, basketball reference right now has 20 guys listed on their roster. I'm, I'm assuming this includes training camp invites and, and all that as things stand, but 11 of those guys have less than two years of experience. So obviously a young team, but you look at guys, Kemba Walker, Corey Joseph, Nerlens Noel, Alec Burks, Kelly Olenek. Don't know if all these guys will be on the team by the trade deadline, let alone the end of the season. 
But Lauren, do you think these vets have some value to this team? I mean, you talk about how how valuable a vet. I mean, you look to the NFL. How often do you see a rookie quarterback sit for a year before um, they they actually see the field learning behind a vet? And and that can be so valuable to some of these guys. And you you hear about it in the NBA, uh, but you don't always see it because a lot of these young guys hit the court so early, and and rightfully so. The NBA is obviously very different. Um, and, and these guys are going to get a lot of run, but having these vets around, I think is going to, to be hopefully valuable for these, these young, these young guys. I don't know that we'll see all of them traded or, or bought out in Kemba's case. So Lauren, talk to me. What do you think about these vets? Um, I mean, I like them because they all have proven themselves in different systems. And so when you want to have veterans in a locker room to kind of set the example and teach the young guys, you want guys that are exactly like that especially when they all are different uh prototypes if you will to kind of help work with um and what's the word that I'm looking for just uh be the the mentor to some of these younger guys and so um I like that they and and I also want to add that I would be shocked if they moved on from all of them Uh, I think if I had to bank on it I would put nearly all my money on Kemba getting moved or bought out. But then the second one would be Kelly Olenek before Alec Burks or Nerlens Noel. Right. Um, to me, those are the two that seem to be the most likely to get moved. Um, and even in the event that they don't for someone like Cade and someone like Jaden Ivy to have those bigs um, specifically Noel, obviously an, an Olenek to work with offensively, defensively. I mean, that is going to, help give them I mean not that they not that they need confidence but that's just going to help them you know stay grounded and have that veteran presence out there on the floor um to kind of uh lock it lock it down and 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 anchor them because sometimes with young teams there's just so much energy and excitement like we've we've kind of seen it with Memphis a little bit um but they they can just you want to be able to stay poised and having those veterans will help you do that. And so I think at the very bare minimum, that aspect alone is something that is going to bode really well uh, for some of these younger guys. Absolutely. Uh, definitely an intriguing team to watch. Uh, excited to see if Cade continues to uh, kind of show his flashes and, and maybe even take a next step. But that is going to take us to our next team. We're actually going to take a quick break. Uh, And when we get back, we're going to talk about the Indiana Pacers. Stay with us. Welcome back. And we are talking about the Indiana Pacers now. Uh, Lauren, the most notable move, they had signed DeAndre Ayton to an offer sheet. It looked like maybe they were going to pull him in. Ultimately did not do that. Uh, and had an interesting offseason drafting Benedict Benedict Mathurin. Uh, they also signed Jalen Smith, and they traded away Malcolm Brogdon. They acquired Daniel Tice, Aaron Naismith, Nick Stauskas, uh, as well as a couple other players. But they got a 2023 first-round pick from Boston. I believe it's unprotected, and that brings them to three first-round picks. Um, so this this upcoming season doesn't look to be one that that's headed in a competitive nature Uh hate that for Rick, but that's kind of the nature of the league sometimes. And and as they kind of accumulate these picks, this upcoming season looks to be one that they can hopefully continue to develop these young guys as well as look towards the future. So Lauren, talk to me about what this offseason has looked like for them as well as what it looks like this season. Yeah, I mean, they're in an interesting spot moving forward because um, 
when you take a guy like Benedict Matherin in the draft and someone who looks like, especially, I mean, he obviously hasn't played a game yet, but since he's come in, he seems very excited. There were the videos circulating um, either the day after the draft or a couple of days after the draft that showed Tyrese Halliburton coming to his hotel room. um, And they were kind of already like buddy, buddy. And it seemed like everyone knew, you know, Matherin is coming to Indiana Indiana wants Matherin and and so they're all on the same page and having those two uh to be your backcourt of the future is a really intriguing duo so I do really like that for them and I think they're setting themselves up well especially like having three first round picks like you mentioned um because in a very loaded draft obviously that really can help you fast track a rebuild uh in terms of adding depth and young talent or if you really want to get crazy you could potentially move up and try and take somebody that's like could be a real real game changer so they have lots of options and when you're a team that's in a position like the Pacers that's exactly what you want to have um and right now you can't talk about the Indiana Pacers without talking about Russell Westbrook and the Buddy Heald Miles Turner of it all um and I like what the Pacers are doing because in my opinion the Pacers being one of the very few teams that look to even be willing to trade for Russell Westbrook they do have the best package for the Lakers in terms of how it will help um, LA. In my opinion, I think it's better. Uh, I think having Buddy Heald and Miles Turner is better than what the Jazz could potentially put together. Uh, I think that would be better for the Lakers. So I don't blame them for holding off and saying, well, you know, it's either going to be the two first round picks or it's not going to happen. If I'm them, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Uh, Whether Buddy Heald, even though Buddy, Buddy Heald still has several years left on his contract. So I think the Pacers, even if they end up standing pat with those two guys and have them going into this next season, when you have someone like Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin, it's it's good to have to give them guys to play with and to learn from, especially as they're so early on in their careers trying to really uh, build and, and establish an identity in the league. Absolutely. I mean, we've talked about Detroit having a, a nice core uh, to build off of. Indiana seems to be suited that way as well. Um I think Miles Turner from now until the end of time will be involved in trade rumors as long as he's <laughs> wearing a Pacers jersey. He he could play mm-hmm. the other rest of his career and will always be uh, every year. The, yeah, every year <laughs> it's 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 reliable. But um, it, it seems like a matter of if not or excuse me when not if with him. And so mm-hmm. uh, what that trade package would net obviously depends on timing. I think every offseason, every trade deadline, we we include him and, and talk about his value, but until that trigger's pulled hard to tell. So, I mean, the other move I want to talk about, we talked about them having three first round picks last year at the trade deadline. They helped um, the Cavs shed the the salary of Ricky Rubio. Uh, the Cavs acquired Karis Levert from them. He's obviously dealt with some injuries himself, um, but the Pacers got a first round pick, which is lottery protected this upcoming season as well. So, I mean, the Cavs, obviously the East is going to be competitive. But as things stand, probably don't see them ending up in the lottery, barring any injuries. Uh, so it looks like they are going to roll into the Pacers, are going to roll into next year's draft with three first-round picks. So obviously I, we don't see theirs being particularly high, um, but with two other um, outside of the lottery picks, as well as Houston's pick. Uh, that that second-round pick for Houston has been traded around a few times. It's wound up in the hands unprotected uh, of the Pacers. Uh, that looks like that will be in the thirties as well. So 
Um, lots of picks, lots of things to be excited about. Lauren, you've probably looked more at the draft next year than I have, but it sounds like there are some intriguing prospects as well. So um, is there anything to look forward to on the court this year, or is it all at the, at the 2023 draft at this point? No, I mean, I think there, there's there's always uh, things to get excited about, especially when you have a team that's in a rebuild because when you're so young and you're really just, again, trying to establish the identity and build continuity uh, and camaraderie, there's all, you're always going to see guys out there getting option or, or, or um, opportunity to really try and show what they can do, establish themselves as a part of the core, you know, take a step up. Um, Isaiah Jackson is a guy who has really made the most of his opportunity and has really established himself as a part of the core so much so that he even took the place of Miles Turner on the Pacers, <laughs> um, like promo, uh, either email or poster or whatever that was that right. came out a couple of months ago. And so, I mean, that's just one example. You got Chris Duarte. There are several guys over there and even bringing in someone like Aaron Naismith in that Malcolm Brogdon trade is another young guy who coming out of Vanderbilt was like a crazy crazy good shooter um and sometimes you just different system more opportunity more looks you just never know what that might do for someone uh like him and so I'm really intrigued by the Pacers team when you have guys especially going back to Halliburton and Matherin guys that seem to embrace the system that they've been brought into uh and are looking to you know turn things around and really just be the 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 ones that are willing to take on the majority of the responsibility and everything that comes with it. That's exactly what you want from a fan's perspective, from an organizational perspective, from a coaching perspective. Um, so I'm very intrigued by them. And, you know, obviously from a Mavs perspective, I'm intrigued to see how Rick does with it all. <laughs> and that, I mean, that brings me to when I look at potential trades for them, you know, obviously away from the Russell Westbrook of it all, every time I'm scrolling through the salaries of like, okay, who could we match? Who can we, let's see here. I'm scrolling through. And after having Rick, you know, be a part of the Mavericks for so long, I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling. I'm like, Rick would never trade for him. Rick would never trade for him. And I'm like, man, there are a lot of guys I'm crossing out here. It's very difficult. So, um, you know, there are obviously still names and, and things change. It's a different organization, but I'll be interested to see how active they are, especially if they bypass this Russell Westbrook option and look at maybe some of the other names that might be floating out there around February. For sure. I've got my eyes on Buddy Heald. Uh, we saw his assist numbers tick up towards the end of last season. Uh, only played in 26 games after being part of the Sabonis Halliburton swap. Um, but look, I mean, if you, you talk about a guy who could get traded, he, we, you talked about him being included in a Russell Westbrook package. I mean, I think he's a guy that people are going to have eyes on him from all across the league. Mm -hmm. uh, and if he's continuing to take a step up and, and showing that he can contribute, um, that's going to be great. And obviously you talk about opportunity. He's going to have plenty of opportunity uh, to do so. So interesting to see how that's going to look like if he can kind of continue that momentum he built towards the end of last season. So uh, lots to be excited about for the Pacers. However, it just doesn't seem like, the best court or the best product will be on the court this year. Uh, that being said, lots of fun things to watch. Tyrese Halliburton, obviously one of the most intriguing young players in the league right now. Uh, and so that alone is a reason to, to enjoy uh, Pacers basketball and be excited about things moving forward. So next we're going to move over to uh, another lottery team. And, you know, Lauren, this team will always have guys included on the trade rumor mill as well. Uh, this guy 
will probably be included in Nick's rumors. Uh, it's the Portland Trailblazers. I'm talking about Dame Lillard. Um, Donovan Mitchell looks like he was taking a lot of that um, heat <laughs> off of Dame, being the guard that was finally going to wind up in New York. Ultimately, that doesn't happen. Uh, Dame has continued to reiterate his love and commitment to Portland, which as a Mavs and Dirk fan, I love and respect at the same time, can't help, but want to see this guy win. So Lauren looking at the roster, don't know again, if it's going to be this year, what does Portland have to do in terms of this year? Like what's best case scenario for them to be competitive? Uh, and what does that look like? Is it playing at the best? Uh, and, and if they really are capped at, at, at the play-in, what do things look like down the road for them? What's their outlook? Yeah. I mean, well, first I gotta say, I think they might be pushing back. I think they might, the Portland, the Portland, uh, crowd might not be a fan of us, including them with the other teams that we've got them included. Here with. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I think it just is what it is at this point. We're running out of teams here. Uh, but for Portland, what I'm looking at their roster, yes, they brought in Jeremy Grant. That's great. I am intrigued to see how he fits next to Nurk, Nurkic and how he plays next to Dame, like how they use him. Do they, does he want to be this, you know, number two, this, this star that he seems to continue to to think that he is. And, and he, he, he can be that guy. I'm not saying he's not that guy, um, but it's just, uh, I, now that he's out of Detroit, it's a little bit of a different situation. And so I'm very intrigued to see what, what he does. Um, Anthony Simons, who took a step forward last year, got his extension, got his money, uh, well-deserved. One of the most intriguing young players uh, in the league as well. Uh, very solid player. To me, what it comes down to is Shaden Sharp. And yes, he's a rookie. You don't want to place too high of expectations on uh, a rookie. But he's the type of guy who, when they drafted him, the pick was okay, hey, this is a guy that could potentially pop and really turn into like a big name. And and again, Simons, I'm not saying he's necessarily going to bypass Simons, uh, but if he pops and looks to be a really, really solid young player, especially at the age and the talent and the skill that he already possesses, that could potentially change where Portland is at. Because right now, I think everybody is looking at this team saying, okay, you brought in Gary Payton the second, that's great. Anthony Simons, again, stepping forward, that's great, but you still have Nurkic who struggles to stay healthy. You brought him back on four for $70 million, which I think I'm, my jaw is still on the ground uh, <laughs> with. Um, and so there's there's just, there's not a whole lot of, and, and I, I can't forget about Josh Hart. We all, the entire world loves Josh Hart, but you just, everyone's looking at this Portland team saying they're not, they're just not right there with the rest of the West and how they're improving. And so to me, again, comes back to Shaden Sharp because everyone else, you kind of have an idea of what you're getting, but he's kind of this question mark of what is the, what is the curve, the the trajectory for him? Um, and I, I mean, I'm a believer in him and, and I can't, I got, I can't go without uh, giving it up to Mike Schmitz who just got hired. Uh, and brought and was brought in in Portland and had a big hand in, in making the decision to select Shaden Sharp. He's the Mike Schmitz for anyone who doesn't know was the guy, the number one guy who was with ESPN running the uh, draft coverage, the head of the draft coverage year after year after year. So for him to get for Portland to get him and for that to be his first selection, especially a guy who has talked about of having this crazy high ceiling. I think it's a really interesting pick. And I don't think Mike Schmitz is out there making picks 
you know, blindly and just, oh, I'll throw a dart, see if it sticks. Let's go, Portland. No, 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 no. I think he knows, and I think Portland knows that, hey, the pressure continues to stay on with with this Dame Lillard situation. We have to make sure we're playing our cards right. And I do think that the Shade and Sharp selection was a good one. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you there. I think the interesting outlook for, for Portland this season is how all these guys are going to fit together. Mm-hmm. Um, you like a lot of these pieces that they have. The Jeremy Grants, you talked about Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons, Josh Hart, uh, on top of having Dame of it all. Uh, Nurkic, obviously, it feels like it always comes back to him being healthy and on the court. <laughs> right. um, but how does this look like on the court? And this might not be the best comparison, but I feel like it's going to be similar to like the 2004 Pistons. Now, this team is not going to be them defensively, but this team doesn't have like a true knockout punch Damian Lillard, obviously excluded. Um, And so that I think maybe is where they like set themselves apart. They have the guy who can compete for an MVP. If he puts this team on his back, we, I, I think Steph Curry, uh, the year that clay and Draymond were out, uh, it was the first or second year after Durant had left and he was truly carrying the warriors on his back, took them to, I think like the eighth seed, Uh, in the playoffs Um, that I think is the best case scenario for Portland. Um, And and it's going to have to be on the back of Dame, but you look at these other guys and you just think, okay, where is, where is it going to come from? What's it going to look like? Um, You're paying Anthony Simons a hundred million dollars. Jeremy Grant's obviously making near max money. Josh Hart uh, on a very uh, team friendly salary, only making roughly about 13 million a year. Uh, but a guy who can contribute. And then obviously you've got the rookie shade and sharp. Uh, and so they just, I mean, justice Winslow, Nas little other guys to mention, like where, where does this all fit on the court for them? I think it's a good problem to have, but I'm mm-hmm. intrigued to see what it's going to look like. Um, so Lauren, as, as we kind of look at this roster, do you think, mm-hmm. do you think they're a team who is going to be consistently looking to make a move uh, or are they kind of going to be waiting and looking for the right opportunity Uh, And in either scenario, what are some names you see kind of making sense for them? Yeah. I mean, for Portland specifically, I I think everybody, including Portland is, is saying, look, that we know that they're going to be active. They have to really be looking at all opportunities, seeing if there's any, any scenario, which they can either get involved or make a move to to have an upgrade or even just bring in uh, and, and, and get draft assets to try and help potentially build another package, whether that be in the long-term or the short, short term. So I do always expect them to be active, um, especially considering they have, you know, their roster, but outside of Dame, it's not like a, Oh, he's, necessarily untouchable or we can't move forward without him like yeah I don't think they're going to be trading Jeremy Grant this season but I don't necessarily think that anyone on this roster should be untouchable if I had to guess looking at their roster I'm I would assume that Damian Lillard uh Anthony Simons uh those are probably the only two untouchables right now and then things could change moving forward uh but for them they do have a lot of young players they brought in Keon Johnson Uh, from the Clippers and the whole Robert Covington, uh, Norman Powell trade. Justice Winslow's there. Nas Little is another guy who I should have mentioned earlier. He took a step forward last year until he uh, was ruled out for the rest of the year um, with an injury. He he had a solid year last year. But outside of their main core that they've had for a very long time, they're a very young roster. So when you have someone like Dane, 
who's continuing to try and take steps forward towards a championship. That's, that's not really consistent. And so for them, I do expect them to be, to be active and try and get involved in something for them. I just, I do also expect them to be more conservative because there are them like several other teams. You can't just go out wheeling and dealing, making trade after trade, hoping that something sticks. If you want to try and do something that's going to move the needle, it's going to have to include draft picks and draft picks aren't just laying around. Like you don't just have an abundance of draft picks to continue to move. And so for Portland, I think for them, the thing, I don't, I don't necessarily see this year being the year that they have that, oh, all in move, or they can put something, a bunch of pieces together to try and go get an, or make a needle moving uh, move. But I do see them potentially getting involved in conversations and maybe helping facilitate something to, in order to get someone back like a Cam Reddish or a Matisse Thibel or a Kenyon Martin Jr. Some of these younger wings who are in situations where they've been made av- available before. Um, I think someone like Matisse might not necessarily get moved, especially if Philadelphia has the year that a lot of people are anticipating that they will. But someone like Cam Reddish or even Kenyon Martin Jr. I think could really be a solid move for Portland, especially, I mean, Cam specifically, because he's a guy that a lot of people there are a lot of a lot of reddish believers still out there. I don't know if if you're one of them, but <laughs> there are there are a lot of them out there. And I mean, if I I'm if I'm any team that sees this whole Cam Reddish situation unfolding, I'd absolutely take a flyer on him. Um, and so I think for Portland, that's where even though I just got done saying they still have a young roster and that's not really consistent with Dame, sometimes you have to make smaller moves like these and hope that they do pay off. And maybe that is what then um, gives you a piece to maybe try and include in a package for something even bigger later on you can't just necessarily sometimes it's not all you know perfectly linear sometimes you got to make small moves to potentially put something together down the line yeah no I, I think you're right I, and I think if you look at that needle moving trade I think they're positioned well to make that now I don't think that's something that's going to present itself this year um, and maybe not even next year but having guys on both team friendly contracts like like a Josh Hart and as well as some of these bigger numbers like the Anthony Simons, uh, as well as the Jeremy Grants with with upside, uh, positions you well. Uh, looking at draft picks, though, that's where I think they fall short. Uh, they don't have their second round pick upcoming this next year, and they currently don't own their first round pick either. It's in the hands of Chicago. However, it is lottery protected. So if they don't end up in the playoffs, they will keep that first round pick. Um, so, so what that pick looks like ultimately is going to depend on how successful this team is on the court. So, um, something to keep our eyes on, but, uh, Lauren, yeah, if I can, if I can add to that and it kind of circles back to the shade and sharp of it all, because as much as, I mean, I just got done saying, I think the only two untouchables for them right now are Dame and Simons. If something comes available and again, I don't know that it'll be this season, but the NBA is crazy. You never know. If somebody becomes available that you could then bring in to pair with Dame and even uh, Jeremy Grant, Anthony Simons has to be the one, especially like you have Shade and Sharp. You hope that he's what you drafted and hoped that he was when you drafted him, but you don't have the draft picks. So that really only leaves Anthony Simons. You're not making a needle moving deal with Gary Payton II and Josh Hart. You can get somebody solid, but you're not going to make a needle moving uh, trade with, with those two pieces, especially with limited draft assets. So Anthony Simons is a guy that 
several teams. I mean, that is absolutely a guy that you would love to bring into a, a young core that you're trying to um, establish in, in the midst of a rebuild. And, and for Portland, if you ask them, they're not in the middle of a rebuild. So while Simons is a really solid player and he, I expect him to have a really solid year, um, do I think he's necessarily the guy that you want to play next to Dame in a backcourt to try and compete for a title in today's NBA? No, I don't think that that's going to get you there. And I think everyone knows that. I, I do really like Simons, but I think you just have to 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 be straightforward with with where you're at. And so for Portland, um, I will be intrigued to see if somebody does come available, how willing they are to potentially move on from Simons, because I just don't see any scenario in which they could make a massive trade that does not include him in it. Absolutely. Uh, lots to keep our eye on there, but we're going to move to our last team. Uh, and uh, this is a team that people are are picking to finish closer to the bottom of the conference than the top. Uh, it is the San Antonio Spurs. And Lauren, they made um, probably the most notable move of the offseason so far. Obviously, you could you could argue that Donovan Mitchell trade maybe made a little more noise. Uh, but the Spurs traded DeJounte Murray to the Hawks. Uh, they received three first rounders and Danilo Gallinari. So, I mean, all, all signs have shifted towards the future in San Antonio. Um, Pop seems to be, you would think in his last few years, though, he gets to decide that that will be something he decides on his own terms. Um, like I said, all all signs point towards the future right now. So, Lauren, talk to me. What What is going on in San Antonio? What do they have to look forward to? Yeah, I mean, oh, God, that's, that's so <laughs> uh, What do they have to look forward to? I guess – the the fact that everybody's going to be knocking on their door for trying to facilitate a trade, trying to get add Doug McDermott or Josh Richardson or even Jakob Pertl to you know a contending roster to try and add depth, whatever the case may be, they definitely will have options. But they their roster it just it just seems like it just gets younger and younger and younger year after year, even though they felt like they're a young team for a very long time now. So. I do think that they're continuing to position themselves well for the future and good for them for hopping on board and understanding that, Hey, the trend of today's NBA is accumulate as many first round picks as you can. They did that with the DeJounte Murray trade. They sold high on him right before it was right in before the window started where it's, Oh, well now he's an expiring and we all know he's going to walk anyway. So the, the, the leverage is gone. They sold on him at the right time, cashed out. I think that, that was a good move for everyone involved. And now they're looking at uh, having Josh Richardson, Doug McDermott, and Jakob Pertl being the ones who are most likely to get moved next. And it was reported today that they're seeking two first-round picks for Jakob Pertl uh, and a first for Josh Richardson. And I know you and I kind of are on uh, – had a little bit of a discussion on, on on where that might – what they might actually get for those two guys. Um, and, it you know, it is hard to say, but personally I do think that they could – they I think that they could get – get that from for for each guy uh but as far as what they currently have i think right now you're hoping that uh you know their first round pick jeremy shokan uh Keldon johnson josh primo i think that you're hoping that those three can kind of start to um establish a little bit or become somewhat of this young core but personally as i see it i don't really know that i can see that um uh, taking shape but 
they are positioning themselves well for these upcoming drafts. And like I said, accumulating as many picks as possible seems to be the way to fast track a rebuild. Um, and they've been in a little bit of a rebuild for a minute now. So I do hope for their sake that, you know, they, they cash out on these guys and turn it around. Yeah. I mean, they've got some young pieces that you just touched on some guys who are going to get plenty of opportunity this year. Um, and by no means do they have to be successful. It is literally about getting as many reps on the court for these guys as they can, uh, because you, like you said, you're looking for, you're looking towards the future. Uh, you talk about Josh Richardson and Yaka Pertle. I don't think there's a world that you get two first round picks. I mean, I don't want to say never because the NBA is crazy, but um, it to me it just seems Yaka Pertle is not a needle moving acquisition for anybody, and so to give up two first round picks seems desperate and i'm not going to sit here and say that there won't be a desperate team but that just seems like a desperate move uh, especially for a guy who i don't think he's going to be um heavily in your playoff rotation i mean this is a guy who could start depending on what anyone's situation looks like but um, i also feel like being at 7-1 he could get played off the floor just depending on who you're playing and and obviously if you're playing the mavs a guy like luca is going to play everyone off the floor so it's very mm -hmm. matchup dependent but I just feel like two first round picks for, for that may be a little rich. That being said, San Antonio for, for all the reasons you mentioned is in a great position to facilitate uh, trades and, and that alone can buy you a first round pick as well as if you're moving um, a, a intriguing, I don't want to say prospect, but an, an intriguing player. Um, those two things combined may, may add up to two first round picks. So like, I, I don't want to sit here and say never, but if you're just looking at face value, I don't know that Pearl's worth two first round picks, in my opinion. Uh, but Josh Richardson, another guy who who had a pretty solid year last year. Uh, again, plenty of opportunity, not playing any impactful minutes, um, but did have have a solid year uh, once he got in once once he was traded to San Antonio. And so um, I don't I don't know how long he'll he'll be here. He he could be another guy who a playoff team could look to acquire. Uh, to help kind of provide some depth because you can never have enough uh, three and D wings, regardless of how Mavs fans feel about that. <laughs> um, there, Josh Richardson showed last year, he, he still has plenty to, to contribute. So yeah, I don't know how quickly that happens. This could easily be a trade de trade deadline type move, uh, mm -hmm. which provides him more time to get those on court reps uh, and continue to kind of show what he can do. So yeah, uh, by no means are, is this a, a dark and gloomy future for San Antonio. I, I do want to point out they acquired yes. all of those picks. However, they only have – they have technically two first-round picks this year. Uh, however, one of them is Charlotte's, and that is lottery protected. So I don't know that Charlotte's going to be stepping into the playoff picture by any means, especially after losing Miles Bridges um, because of some poor choices that he decided to make. Uh, but that, that's the, the nature of the beast, and so unfortunately – uh, I don't know that San Antonio will end up with that pick. So it looks like they're really just going to have their own first round pick this year, which uh, by all means should be, should be well positioned to hopefully draft a franchise changing player. Yeah. For, for San Antonio. Um, uh, I, and I, I, I should say that in terms of getting the two first round picks for Jakob and the first for Josh, um, I don't see them getting unprotected firsts there, but I, 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 I personally do think that Jakob, I mean, last year they were asking for two firsts for Jakob. Um, I don't know if there were offers on the table that included two firsts, probably not because it didn't happen, <laughs> but, um, 
uh, he's an incredibly effective player. And the, the main reason I know that is because I pretty much always pick him for my parlay. Um, he's pretty much a double, double. <laughs> um, and that's the reason that I know that. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, you're not gonna have to pay him that much money. He's pretty low maintenance and, and there is added value in that. And so uh, I do, I could see a team that maybe has a couple of extra firsts uh, getting in there and saying, okay, well, especially a team like Memphis that doesn't have, that has a ton of picks is without Jaron Jackson Jr. Has Steven Adams has matching potential matching salary. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if it like, I, I, to me, they're a good example of a team that needs some front court depth uh, and would, would be interested in adding someone like, like a Jakob Pertle. Um, And in that scenario, you know, I, I just, I do think that it's possible that that San Antonio could get two first round picks for him. I just think that the only scenario in which it happens is if they're both protected and it happens at the deadline. And I think for San Antonio, their best option on selling on these guys is going to be to try and hold off until the deadline and um, focus on playing the young guys. So one, these guys don't get hurt. And also, so um, that way, when you can sit here and continue these negotiations and know that, and hope that a little bit of a bidding war kind of ensues for some of these teams that again are trying to to round out their roster um, as the trade deadline passes to to make that that final playoff push. Um, I think that will be the best option for San Antonio. Um, and I guess I also want to just touch on um, San Antonio being a potential option for for a Russell Westbrook trade. Personally, it's really really hard for me to envision that because in my mind. LA is going to try and get Jakob Pertl to be a part of that deal. And you're not getting, you're just not, it's just not going to happen. And so if, if, um, if the Lakers have any interest in just Josh Richardson and Doug McDermott, don't get me wrong. I think that that would still help them a lot for sure. Uh, but in my mind, the way I look at it is I look at the potential Russell Westbrook uh, return being in tears. And the only four teams that I include are, um, Indiana, Indiana, um, Charlotte, the Jazz, and San Antonio. And the tiers that in terms of potential return uh, goes um, Indiana, Utah, Charlotte, and then San Antonio. And so for that reason, I just don't really see San Antonio and a Russell Westbrook trade happening. But then again, never say never. So um, that's kind of where I'm at on all that. Definitely. Definitely. Uh... Lots, lots to keep our eyes out for. I mean, Josh Primo, we talked about him, but he's 19 years old. So I exactly. mean, this guy's so young, going to get plenty of, of time. By no means is is his career going to be determined uh, this Yeah, he'll year. be fine. He, he will be fine. He's a guy that he really will be fine. Um, he's so – there's a lot of talent there, and he really is so raw. So I'm glad you touched on his age. Um, but, yeah, anybody that – anybody out there that that would potentially count him out not I don't think Spurs fans are but anybody that's out there like oh well he was a bust he was a bad pick because I remember them picking him kind of high and people being like why why would they pick him so high well he's so young and I think San Antonio was aware of what the future was going to hold for them and so understanding that getting young and picking a guy that you know has so much room to grow might not be a bad idea so I I wouldn't I wouldn't sell your stock on him at all Definitely. Uh, and Lauren, you touched on Russ. Um, the Lakers, I, I forget when, but I felt like they announced that that upcoming, it may be early next week, whether it's Monday or Tuesday, I can't remember, but they have a press conference coming up um, with David Ham as well as I believe Darvin, it's Bro- Darvin Ham. Darvin Ham. Thank you. 
uh, as well as Rob Palinka. So it'll be interesting to hear what they talk about, uh, what their tone is surrounding Russ, because you know they'll get asked the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so so plenty to keep our eyes on there. But that's going to bring us to a close on the NBA side of things. Um, Eurobasket just concluded. Um, Spain ended up taking the title over France. Um, the story seemed to be that the three-headed trio – uh, of Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Nikola Jokic all were bounced. Uh, I believe it was in the quarters uh, that they were the, that they all went out. Um, but all all upset. Uh, Giannis was the only one to make the all tournament team. Um, but Spain ended up taking the title. Lauren Eurobasket was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the nature of that that whole competition. The, the I mean, basketball is big over in Europe, um, but in the same way that soccer is it all comes back to your, your nation pride and Mm -hmm. no, no place does it better um, than those, those countries over there, partly because of location, but, but also just how these guys kind of are, are brought up. And so we saw a lot of that um, come to fruition. Obviously a lot of NBA guys um, played in this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Lauren, what were your thoughts overall on Eurobasket? Did you did you get to watch a lot? I, I only personally watched the the final game that Luca uh, mm-hmm. ended up playing. I'm I'm even blanking on who they lost to. That was the only real Eurobasket I got to watch. What about you? Yeah, I I believe they lost to Poland. Yeah, it that Poland? it was okay. Poland. Good for you. I was I was like second guessing myself. Um, but yeah, I was able to watch a couple of games. Uh, shout out Stream East. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, but no, I I was able to watch a couple of games, and and you're right. Like the the way that the fans are in there, you know, holding up their flags, wearing the jerseys and the shirts and everything. It's just it's such a different environment, and it's there's so much pride that the players take in representing their countries and so it's really really incredible to watch um especially when you when when you're watching a team like Slovenia who doesn't have a lot of people um in comparison to some of these other massive countries it's just it's really cool to watch and so um I always enjoy that uh just getting to see that um that aspect of just international basketball in comparison to the to the NBA because I think before Luca. I mean, obviously we had Dirk and 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 it was going on, but I, I feel like in the last, at least for me, per, speaking for me personally, um, I, I, there's definitely been more of an emphasis on international basketball and I've really, really enjoyed it. And so um, I also have to give a shout out to the Hernan Gomez brothers who are just having a <laughs> hell of a year. They're having a hell of a year. And so I love that for them um, with Willie Hernan Gomez winning the Eurobasket MVP and Juan Hernan Gomez just actor Bo of, Cruz. <laughs> I mean he is just killing it so yeah so I just Eurobasket was very fun um and yeah still not over Goran Dragic but we will move on uh, will move yeah on. if if Mavs fans uh couldn't get slapped in the face one more time there it is <laughs> what, there it is what Mavs fans did get to enjoy though about Eurobasket aside from Luca was the fact that Germany was the one who hosted uh the the playoff portion of this and so we got to see a lot of Dirk Uh, The German national team retired his jersey. Uh, He wore the number 14 uh, for the jersey for the the Euro team switching um, from his 41 in Dallas. Um, And so that was really cool. And then obviously Mavs brass sitting courtside for for all the Slovenia games. Mm -hmm. Uh, Plenty of good moments between Luca and all of them as well as as Luca and Dirk. So 
lots of fun from there, but that's going to, that's going to wrap us up this time. Uh, we have one podcast left in our T excuse me, one, one group of teams left. We will have a Western conference and Eastern conference kind of overlook where we, we break down our, um, playoff picture, uh, and give an outlook to the conference. Those two pods will conclude our look around the NBA series, but we have one more episode. We were, where we are diving deeper into the teams like we have been, um, so keep a, keep an eye out for that. It, it, it will be coming soon. Included in that uh, is the Mavs. And I want to say it's it's all playoff teams, but I don't have our list in front of me of, of who's left. So um, look forward to that. We look forward to hearing from you on Twitter. What are your thoughts about what we've talked about today? Some of these lottery teams uh, of the four we talked about, is there anyone that you guys see um, sneaking into that playoff picture? And if so, why? So hit us up on Twitter. Uh, you can find us at the gunshot. Uh, I'm at gun underscore grant. And I believe you you're at the Lauren gun. Is that right? That is right. All righty. So hit us up. Can't wait to hear from you and we will see you all next time.